Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, Disciples. Disciples respond to God's gracious gospel by loving God, connecting in vital relationships with other believers, serving in the local church, and reaching the world with the gospel. Good morning to you all. And we're looking forward to sharing God's word this morning as he would lead. We're going to look at uh, the scripture in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. We're reading today from the ESV version. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, um, one of the things I love to do is jigsaw puzzles. Um, I mean, you like to do jigsaw puzzles. Let me see here. Yeah, a few people, a few people. The rest of you will pray for, but, um, <laughs> or maybe you're praying for us, right? But uh, we love doing those. I like to, I've done them alone. I've done them with my wife, Charlene, and uh, I've done them with other, you know, other people, communities, groups, you know, several of us all the time. But uh, I like to do them with groups. In fact, uh, at Christmas week, I started a, a, a puzzle, a pretty difficult puzzle, um, and uh, a couple of my sons over here were doing it, but they were in not too long. But my daughter, my oldest daughter who doesn't live with us, she and I were working diligently and as of today, February 17th, we're still not finished with that puzzle, but uh, we're getting there. But anyway, I noticed that the pieces on the puzzle are difficult to determine what exactly they are, but they're really clear once you connect them to the pieces that are around them in the puzzle. You know, when we're working with others, sometimes we'll have a little group there, and uh, there'll be a, a nice scenic picture, and there'll be like a sky, and and uh, some mountains over here and some boats, you know, and then the water on the bottom. And one group will do the water, one will do the boats, someone else will do the sky and somebody will do the mountains. And um, they're making smaller pictures as they prepare to join them to the bigger, complete picture. That's an illustration of God putting together uh, his big universal church. And within the smaller pictures putting them together is the local congregations, the local uh, fellowships, and even the smaller parts are individual who connect together even outside of our morning worship service. And, uh, but it's interesting because the puzzle is not complete without all of the pieces, right? And even much more, the piece is not complete without being connected to the puzzle. In fact, the piece itself is practically useless to the picture itself until it's connected. It does no good to the picture. So with that, uh, I want to introduce what we're going to talk about today. This is the third in the series of discipleship. The first uh, week we looked at the overview, disciples embrace the gospel, and the gospel is the vehicle how we came to be, became disciples, and uh, we should never assume the gospel, but continue to preach and walk and live the gospel because once we assume the gospel, we're one generation from the, gospel, from the church being uh, gone. And last week we heard about disciples love our God and how we love our God with all, love our God with all of our being and how uh, we must assemble together like we're doing today. And then today it's called Disciples Connect with People. 
And we're going to look at that under three headings. And the first one is the principle. The principle is what is the reason disciples connect with people? In our scripture in Acts 2.46, um, uh, we looked at, uh, the background is, is that scripture uh, was immediately in the days after Pentecost. The church was born, the Holy Spirit came, and Peter gave a great fiery sermon, and many were added to the church of God at that time. And in the immediate aftermath, it says, uh, it talks about what the disciples, what the apostles were doing at that time. And in that context, it says, uh, our verse 46. So the first principle is, uh, the first reason that we get together and connect with people is the example of the apostles. Here in 246, it says, and day by day, attending um, the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So at the example of the apostles are they got together. And if you read the book of Acts, they're constantly, the, 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 the apostles are constantly connecting with each other and with other people. The second reason is to emulate Jesus. Uh, Jesus poured his life into the 12 disciples. In uh, just a couple of references, Mark uh, chapter 3 says that he appointed the 12 right at the beginning of his ministry. He gathered 12 together. And then if you watch, read all of the Gospels, he's constantly with these 12, connecting with them, uh, eating with them, living with them, sleeping with them, uh, doing all kinds, on boats together with them, and, and, and just... Uh, ministry together with the 12 and at the end of his ministry it says in Matthew 26 when it was evening he reclined at the table with the 12 he was with them all the way till the night he was betrayed and given over to be um, crucified he was with the 12 not only was he did he uh, connect with the 12 but he connected with the uh, he invested more time even into the three there were three James John Peter James and John and there's several references there. One of them in Mark 5, he says, Jairus was a ruler of the temple, and his daughter had just, he was sick, and, and she subsequently died. Jesus went in to heal her, to raise her from the dead, and it says that he allowed no one to follow him in there except Peter, James, and John. So the three actually saw her raised to life. Uh, when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, he, uh, it says, he took to the mountains. Uh, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up into a high mountain by themselves. And there they saw Elijah and Moses. Jesus also connected with others. Uh, I think of he sent out 72. There was a lot of other people. There's meetings with people, evangelistic meetings, but connection with believers. He connected especially with one uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In John chapter 11, Mary, uh, Lazarus had died, the brother of Mary and Martha. And when, they di when he died, Jesus went to be with them for what we call the wake, the, the funeral, whatever. And um, it's in that passage that the famous verse, Jesus wept, is in that verse, is in that passage, which is the first scripture I learned. Uh, I, was, I was a little boy and I learned it and, you know, it took me a few weeks, but uh, I got it, you know. Um, I just had a 60th birthday the other day, and um, I've subsequently forgot it. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, Jesus wept. Now, Jesus, why did he weep? It wasn't because he knew he was never going to see Lazarus again like Mary and Martha were weeping. They said, we'll never see him. He knew he was about to raise him again. No, the reason that he wept 
is because he had connected with Mary and Martha so deeply that he felt their pain. And it brought Jesus to tears to see the ones he connected with and loved in such pain. He also connected with them in, the, in chapter 12, the day before he went down up to Jerusalem to, for his triumphal entry, what we call Palm Sunday, right? It says, the scripture says he went to Bethany to be with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, because Lazarus had been raised. And so he was with them again. So he just connected with a lot of people. We want to emulate Jesus. The third reason that we get together is to encourage each other. We heard that scripture in the opening today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, encourage one another and stir one another up. It says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds or love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the greater context of that is, in fact, not neglecting to come together in, you know, our love our God meeting, <laughs> our worship time. And uh, that's important. But it also can be applied, the principle still applies to getting together and connecting with each other. We only have limited connections that we can do here on Sunday morning, albeit we are, one, we are probably known in the city as one of the longest dismissing churches afterwards because we connect. But uh, really connecting with each other takes more than just uh, Sunday mornings. And uh, so the same principle, as we connect with each other, we spur one another on towards love and good works and good deeds. So that's the principle. The second uh, aspect of this is the process. What do disciples do when they connect with people? What do we do when we connect with people? Well, I've just listed several. The first one is fellowship. <coughs> we fellowship in Acts 2.42, and that is in the passage, that, uh, the first verse after Peter's sermon, and it's, again, in the immediate aftermath, uh, or in the immediate days after uh, Pentecost. And in those days, they were, they were together. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, we at Bay Ridge really uh, believe that that's a model for what we do in our Sunday mornings. That's why, that's why you'll see all of those aspects on Sunday mornings. But you'll also see those aspects in connecting. And one of those is fellowship. Uh, I heard somebody once say that fellowship can be defined as two fellows in the same ship. Okay, now, I, I, I don't know the Greek. I'll have to ask Brett if that's the Greek. I, I tend to think it's not. But it does accurately uh, uh, talk about what fellowship is. It's two, it's two or more people going the same direction and having the same experiences together. Uh, and we fellowship together. So that's one aspect. The second is meeting one another's needs. The same passage a couple verses later in Acts 2.44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. As we connect with people, we have things in common and we begin to share things. You know, the, the principle of what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine is kind of what the apostles had there in the early church. And that's what we do when we connect today is we're a community. And as we gather together and as we connect individually, one-on-one, -on -one, two two-on-two in groups, smaller groups, uh, which we call connect groups. These groups get together, and when needs are come, come out, they are being met by God through our fellow believers, through the other disciples. The third thing, breaking bread together. Again, in 46, 246, the day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. 
Um, now, part of the breaking of the bread in, uh, in that first uh, verse 42 would be um, the breaking of the bread, which we uh, have communion together. But it also equally is in the homes, is where we go together. I mean, it, it could extend to restaurants or wherever we're meeting, we're connecting with people. But we connect over food. And uh, we know <laughs> this church, we have some folks that can cook here. I, I know, I can say, amen. Some, some of you can cook. Uh, some of you cannot cook, you know. Uh, you all have the gift of cooking. I have the gift of eating. And... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, we break bread together. We fellowship and get together over a meal. Another thing we do as we connect is we strengthen and sharpen each other through the word. In Acts 2.42, again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And um, the apostles' teaching, as we see it in the Love Our God meeting, is coming from here. What we're doing, what I'm doing this morning is bringing the word of God. But once we connect, this can be a jumping off point of where we talk together and look at the scripture and ponder and question, you know, and uh, further apply in our own personal lives, but as a group together. And then any part of scripture, we can encourage each other. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, uh, one person or one man sharpens another. Uh, we're able to sharpen each other. Look at Ecclesiastes 4.9, if you would. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, we encourage each other. We strengthen each other. And even there it says a, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Uh, I look at that, um, if, if two of us are walking down and one bandit comes out, we have much greater chance of success of, than, than if there's only one of us. But here in the church in today is if um, we have uh, a spiritual enemy who really hates us and whose mission is to kill steal and destroy his name is satan and how much more can two or more together fight in the army of god to defeat and to withstand satan we, his end is already determined but he wants to get in and monkey with our our systems and 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 give us a whole lot of problems well um in in ephesians chapter 6 it talks about the armor of god and that's an individual thing we get dressed for the battle individually but no Roman soldier went to battle alone. They went linked, arm in arm, together. And that's when we connect. We go arm in arm, together, armed, in our armor, against the wiles of Satan. Amen? Amen. So uh, the next point is to encourage one another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 11, the point is clearly made. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you already are doing. Continue to build each other up, to encourage each other in the word and in the faith, and to build up, to encourage, to edify, to exhort into what God would have us to be, that we might be able to maximize our potential as disciples of Jesus Christ. The next point, 
And I've totally lost how many this is. This might be seven or eight or ten or four. I don't know. But it's sharing one another's joys and pains. In Romans 12, 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, that's a command, okay? And I want you to understand that quite naturally, you know, don't think of it as just friendship because the world has friendships, okay? So in the very natural realm, we have friends. And so, and, and so that's natural. There's no command needed to weep, you know, with your brother or your sister or your friend or your cousin because that's just natural, and we all have those. But we're talking about believers whom... Uh, other disciples whom otherwise we would have no connection with at all. But as we connect with them, he's telling us to connect on a level that we get so deeply involved that we feel their joys. We feel their pains. Just like Jesus wept with Mary and Martha, we weep with each other. We rejoice with one another. When, you know, we've been praying together and say, um, brother, you know, I got this job. I've been, well, we know because we've connected with you and we know you've needed it. And we all say, hallelujah, praise God. We've been praying for that and we watch God work together. All right. Also, um, bearing one, oh, praying together. I skipped one. Praying together. Um, we see that in our passage, but also in Acts 12, 12, uh, Peter had just uh, gotten a um, heavenly jailbreak. And uh, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary and uh, he went and he went to knock on the door because guess what they were doing inside? They were praying for him. And it was funny, just as a sidebar, when uh, the little girl ran out and said, it's Peter. And they said, ha, shut up, Peter's in jail. We're praying for him to get out. <laughs> they, you know, it was hard for them to realize that God answered their prayer that fast. When God does answer some prayers, amen? Uh, yes. But uh, that's one of the things we do. We pray together and we watch God work. Yes, as a group, as as, as, as believers connected together. And the next point is we bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is we need to bear any burdens of each other that we have. We're bearing each other's burdens but in the context here, it's really talking about being caught in the sin or, or, or being in sin. And we bear the burden of sin with our brothers and sisters. And we walk with them and we restore. And uh, that, may, that may require um, a level of confession. That is a part of what the body, what the uh, connection does. Uh, in James 5, 16, it says, Therefore, connect, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, and it does say come to the elders, you know, and, and, and be anointed and all that stuff for your healing because that's the, that's the context of that. But part of the healing, part of why the church is sick is because we don't confess our sins. We are always supposed to confess to God. And, and I just do want to have a little caveat. There's a caution. There must be balance. You know, never confessing is very unhealthy for the church and is very unhealthy for the individual disciple. We need to confess to each other as God leads. However, over-confessing is also unhealthy, and it can do great damage to the body. And uh, that's especially a lot of times when new believers, they see that we're supposed to confess our sins, and then they just want to confess willy-nilly. And that's not proper. Um, we need to connect with people, and then as God leads, connect, uh, confess to those who we're connected to in a deeper way. And that's not to say that there's not a time that... Uh, God calls someone to confess publicly before the congregation. I'm not getting into that. That's not the, the thing today, but that should always be um, Holy Spirit-driven 
and uh, you should get counsel from the elders if you're going to get up in front of the church and start confessing sin. But we're talking about connecting with people, and that is a part of it. But be careful. No, just don't over-confess. And the next point is, or the last point. So that's some of what the process is. We've seen the principle. We've seen the process. And now the, la the third point is the product. What are the results when disciples connect with people? Well, one, uh, the first result is shared burdens. I just spoke on that a moment ago, and go right back to Galatians chapter 6. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, um, I love superhero movies, and, and uh, you've heard about that before. I love them. Uh, one time I had superheroes up here on the, on the board behind me. And... Um, Superheroes, you know, sometimes you'll see a Thor movie and Thor is, you know, fighting them all and sometimes you'll see an Iron Man movie and he's fighting them all. But sometimes it is so great of an enemy that the Avengers have to come to avenge, right? They get together and the burden is too heavy for any one of them. So you'll see uh, Iron Man over here, over here, uh, uh, tearing them down and Captain America, you know, with his shield taking them away and... Uh, and Thor, I mean, um, uh, Hulk smashing things all over the place and Thor hammering people away, you know, all together. And then Spider-Man comes swooping down in with, on his spider, you know, to, to pull him in. And they all work together. They all bear each other's burdens or the job would not get done. Well, in the same way, it's funny because we as believers need to bear one another's burdens. And, you know, if I have 50 pounds on my back, you know, that's quite a burden, especially for an old man like me now. I can't carry 50 pounds on my back anymore. So I get a brother here, you know, a strong son of mine or somebody like you or, you know, a fine specimen like this gentleman over here. And, and he, you know, uh, now I can carry 25 and he can carry 25 and we share the burden and it's not so bad for my old back, right? Uh, or maybe he's younger than me and maybe I can only carry, you know, 15. So I carry 15 and he carries 25, 35 um, whatever the math is he carries the other part okay and uh and then don't even try but if three or four of us get together i need the mathematicians to figure it out but we all share the burden is my point so uh anyway that's uh sharing our burden secondly how about accountability and we talked a little bit about this i talked about a little bit about this a moment ago but accountability <clears throat> hebrews three thirteen. hebrews three thirteen says but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Um, a lot of people, first of all, that applies here, okay, in our uh, Love Our God meeting. Okay, we come together. There are a lot of people today that think in America, you know, they can be Lone Ranger Christians, and I can love God. I can be a Christian without going to church. I don't need no church. Just me and Jesus, you know. And um, it says right there, the deceitfulness of sin. But not only just here, because we also have believers who feel like I can just come in, sit in the back row, and slip out before anybody sees me, and I can be, you know, just me and Jesus just on the back row. But it's still not a connection. We need to connect uh, completely because um, our, our hearts can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It says in Jeremiah 17 that the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the answer is God can know it, but we can't know our own heart. And so, like I said before in Proverbs 27, iron sharpens iron. We sharpen each other, and we, are, we hold each other accountable and help. When the train is going off the tracks, you know, our brothers and sisters can help the, tra help the train back on the tracks before we fully derail. And we will derail if we don't connect with one another. 
The third one is create meaningful long-term relationships. We see Paul connected with the Ephesians. Paul connected with a lot of uh, churches all throughout uh, Asia uh, in, in, in that area back then, Asia Minor and whatnot. But the Ephesians uh, were particularly connected with Paul. And it says in Acts 20, 36 that when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. That's the kind of connection that we're looking for, that God is looking for in his disciples. That we connect so that it, we, we desperately love you and you desperately love me and we love each other. And it, it just breaks us, you know, when, when God calls us away, you know, and say, well, you have to move, you know. It's, it's a sorrowful thing. We weep because we're gonna, we've connected. And a part of our hearts are, knelt, are knit together. And um, that's what the kind of connection we're talking about. Also, it creates generous hearts. Again, in Acts 2.46, uh, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. The heart becomes glad when we uh, connect with people. The heart becomes generous. And as I said, all things are in common we share. Our hearts are grateful unto the Lord. And that all comes through the connection uh, where we are built up together. Another thing is it's a picture of God. When we connect, like our connect groups, when we come together, it's a picture of God. No one of us, that's another reason about Lone Ranger Church, Lone Ranger Christians, all by myself, uh, is that's only one small aspect of God. Jesus is the only one who had the full picture of God within himself. We are just like a puzzle piece. And if we don't connect, we don't have the full picture of God. But when we come together, um, we exhibit various gifts of the Spirit. Of course, in the greater congregation we do, but even in smaller groups, um, uh, Romans is one list. There's a very, very many lists in the Bible, but uh, it talks about having prophecy or teaching or serving, uh, exhorting, giving, uh, leading, acts of mercy. All this comes together to give a greater picture of God in our in our fellowships in, in our connecting groups. We also we emphasize various graces of God. Colossians 3.12 says, put on uh, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Wear them as clothing. Uh, but interestingly enough, we're supposed to put them all on, but this person's just a little more compassionate than I am. This one is more kind than I am. I might be a little more humble than the other one, the patience, and we all come together and grow more as we um, we become more like each other. And as we become more like Christ together, we all become more like uh, Christ together uh, and move in that direction. Amen? All right. Uh, also, we grow in love. That's another result of getting together. Another result of con connecting is g g uh, growing together. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's interesting, he didn't say, you know, where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. No, when we invest the treasure and the treasure of our time and emotional energy, we begin to fall in love with the people or, you know, the, the, and that's with the people that we connect with. That's why, you know, we can get so into idolatry. We start to connect too deeply with things that may not in and of themselves be sinful, but we end up connecting so tightly with that that uh, our treasure's there. And, and he says, don't put your treasure in earthly things, 
but put it in heavenly things. And the body of Christ is a heavenly thing. And so we put our, our treasure in each other and we fall in love with each other, uh, as Paul did, and he wept, uh, and the Ephesians wept. Uh, the world knows us by our love one for another. In um, John chapter 13, verse 35, he says um, that by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world knows us by our love, okay? And that moves me to the next point because our love for each other is an evangelistic tool. Um, the church grows is the next point. We will, um, the church will grow. And it says right in our passage that they were praising God, having favor with all the people in verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As we grow in love and as we connect with each other, we will have grateful hearts. We will praise God and we will love God and we will receive favor from the people. That doesn't mean that they won't hate the gospel and hate us, but what we're talking about is we, the, the gospel will become attractive to those who are seeking, looking for the Lord. The Lord will pull them out as he uses the picture of us in our connections together. So uh, the church will grow and we saw that in Acts. So let's now apply the word, applying the word. Um, Bay Ridge Christian Church our primary method to fulfill this aspect of the discipleship is through our connect groups. Small groups, some churches call them small groups. We used to, uh, and we call them connect groups because that's what we do. We connect with people. There are connect groups throughout the church. Um, we have a meeting uh, on various days of the week, nights of the week. Uh, they're meeting all in the area of Annapolis, Edgewater. Uh, uh, what's that place you live up there? Uh, Arnold. Uh, in, in, in different areas, you know, around the area. And uh, see, uh, if you want to know, there's people up here that can tell you. Uh, is it on the website too? Uh, I don't, it's listed on the website. Uh, you can connect, and it's, it's fantastic. As, as, as a body, as, as a body of elders, but as a body of believers, we, uh, our goal is 100% participation in a connect group. Now, you know, we do, we don't, we're not law, we're not legalistic. If you don't go, you know, it's not that you, you're not saved. But the idea is we understand that there are seasons where you can't. But as, as much as is possible, connect with others in a connect group. So I ask, uh, I ask myself the question, do I regularly attend and participate in a connect group? At least one. I know some people that can connect with three or four of them, right? <laughs> but um, if, do I participate in a connect group? If not, why not? Uh, secondly, do I reach out to other believers on a regular basis for the purpose of making a godly connection? Again, if not, why not? Do I realize that I am like a puzzle piece in the picture of the body of Christ? Do I realize that I am only truly effective as a, as a disciple when I am connecting regularly with God's people? I want to give you a few names. I'm going to list out a few names right now. From Atlanta, Georgia. Brent and Karen Becker, Valerie Goodson, Belinda Harris, from Columbia, South Carolina, Dan and Chris Kennedy, Pete and Beth Briggs, Davey and Nancy, <laughs> North Huntington, Pennsylvania, Eric and Chrissy Brinker, Brian and Terry Parker, from Charleroi, Pennsylvania, Kevin and Debbie Roberts, Miss Viola, Miss Ardeth. <laughs> you don't know one of those people that I just mentioned, but Charlene and I do, and my, my family, we know them. And you know why? Because 
we have made a connection with those people. We've been called, we've moved from state to state. And as we have, we've made a deep, long-term, lasting relationships with these people. Our hearts were knit with these people. You know, we're in touch with some of them even today. Some of them were not, but there's faces in those churches that I can't remember exactly what their names are or who they were. You know, we, we met with them in, in, in worship time, but when we connect with them, we never forget those people. So today, who are we connecting with? Who are we connecting with today? So that if God calls you to move far away, who are we connected? Who will we remember tomorrow that we connected with today? That's the question. I'll leave you with this. As the puzzle needs the piece, and as the piece needs the puzzle, so does the body need the individual, and the individual needs the believer. The, the, the individual needs the disciple. And uh, the body needs the disciple. And so we want to connect with each other and make the clear picture of what God wants to build in his church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning that you uh, have met us here and that you are desire for us to connect. We pray that we would take to heart exactly what you want us to do and that you would lead us to further connect with each other and so be a beautiful part of the gospel that people would be reached through our connection of each other and that we would be built up and be more like Jesus Christ than we were when we started this whole venture. For your glory and your praise, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, as we're going to be coming to the table, I want to remind us just a little bit. Bobby just covered a lot of ground. And in covering that, what he's doing is he's just giving us a picture of the rich uh, ways that the Scripture speaks of the importance of you and I connecting with one another. He mentioned fellowship, meeting one another's needs, breaking bread together, strengthening and sharpening each other through the Word, encouraging each other, sharing one another's joys and pains, praying together, bearing one another's burdens, all of which sounds like life, the Christian life. That's what connecting with one another is about. And um, I've been this year in my uh, devotions in the morning actually going through and memorizing our catechism, and one of the questions actually says, does God call us to live the Christian life alone? And the answer is no. When we were united to Christ by faith, we were also united with other believers in the church. And the next question is, well, am I just called to be part of the universal church? And the answer is no. Every believer is called to be part of local churches where they're led and cared for by elders, where they worship together, where they learn the scripture, where they receive the sacraments, where they pray together, where they serve one another, and where they carry out the Great Commission together. In other words, where they love God, connect with people, serve the church, and reach the world. That's all what this is about. And so, really, it is impossible to live the Christian life apart from connecting with one another. When God becomes our Father, we are placed in a family, which is one another. Now, I bring this up because we are coming to communion right now. And communion, the central element, is what Jesus has done for us. But notice by the very word, I've, I've had Christians speak to me before of taking self-communion. That's an oxymoron. There is no such thing as self-communion. 
communion. Communion is together. We come together to come to the Lord's table, and it strengthens us. Because this is about Christ's broken body and shed blood and how that has restored our fellowship to, with God, that we are now back in right relationship with God. But when God reconciled us to himself, over and over the scripture says he also reconciles us with one another. In Ephesians chapter 2, it actually tells us that Christ himself is the peace and he's made peace not only between us and God and reconciled us to God, but he's made peace between us and one another. He's made the two one. And so as we come to this table together today, we are celebrating what Christ has done in bringing us back into relationship with God. And how sweet is that? You and I were cut off from God. We were aliens. We were strangers. We, without God and without hope in the world, but we who were far away have now been brought near by the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. But in so doing, as we are gathering closer and closer to God, we're also gathering closer and closer to one another. There is no saying, Jesus, I want you, but I don't want this thing about connecting with others in the church. It's just not possible. It's not what God's call for us is. So I want to encourage us as we come to the table this morning. As always, if we have sins, we want to confess them. We want to celebrate what God has done, but we also want to realize and recognize exactly what we've just been talked about. Lord, have I been trying to live the Christian life in a way you never designed it to be lived? And if so, Lord, would you minister to me by your Holy Spirit? And put me in those kind of relationships so that I can experience everything you have for me. Jesus died that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. He has died that you can have the abundant life God has designed for you. And that does not exist in the American dream and all the other silliness we think of. It exists in meaningful, true, godly relationships with one another. So let's reach out and receive that today. I want to remind everyone of a couple of things as we come together. First off, if you need gluten-free uh, bread, raise your hand in a moment and we will get that to you. Secondly, if you are a visitor here, we want you to know you are welcome at this table if you are truly a believer. This is a meal for Christians. Those who recognize that, that we are sinners, we do not deserve a place at this table, but Christ lived for us and died for us and was raised for us to give us the right to come to this table by grace. If you believe that, you are welcome to join with us at the Lord's table. For friends, what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, as we come to the table this morning, we cry out for your Holy Spirit to come. We come by grace through what Jesus has done. Send forth your Holy Spirit 
to meet us at this sacramental table that we might receive your gifts and graces and that we might be strengthened to do your will. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As you get the elements, please hold on to them and I will come up here and we will take them together uh, in just a couple moments. Our Lord and God, you are the Holy Trinity, the divine community. You have made us in your image that we might enjoy relationship. First with you and then with one another. But our father Adam and our mother Eve spurned relationship with you, preferring autonomy and isolation to obedience, community, and fellowship with you. But this isolation from you fractured our relationships with one another as well. Like this bread, our relationships have been broken and scattered. But in your grace, Jesus was, came and was broken that we might be put together. He was forsaken that we might be received. And in restoring us to you, he began the work of restoring us to one another. So as your body, today we take this bread, the sacramental symbol of our union with you and with one another. Thanks be to God. Take and eat. Lord Jesus, this juice is the sacramental symbol of your blood, which was shed so that our sins might be forgiven and we might be restored, fully forgiven, cleansed, and united with you. But this drink is also a symbol of the unity you have made in your people. For it began as many grapes, but it became one cup. And so we who were many have become one. Today we have come from many backgrounds, many ethnicities, many languages. We have differing experiences, political opinions, and desires. But when we were dead in our sin, you made us alive in Christ, and you brought us to yourself. And when you made us one with yourself, you brought us into unity with one another so that we are one body, sharing one hope, one Lord, one faith. And all of this has been done by the precious blood of Christ, which secured every benefit and inheritance and blessing of God for us. So, Lord, we lift up the cup of thanksgiving, and we say thanks be to God for the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take and drink. Spirit of the living God, through you all of us have access to one Father. Through you we are all growing to be a holy temple in whom you dwell. You do not have many temples but only one. So may we walk as one, keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would show us our need for one another and overcome all of our obstacles and excuses so that we might be connected with one another, so that in our diversity and unity 
It might be a reflection of you, the Holy Trinity. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has died and who his final prayer prayed that we would be one, that the world would know. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And as I speak God's word of benediction, this is coming out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I encourage you receive the full, deep, rich blessing of our God. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Go forth in the peace and blessing of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.